0: Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a VinePair podcast. Next round conversation. We're bringing you these episodes in between our regular podcasts so that we can explore a range of issues and stories in the drinks world. Today, I'm speaking with Dee Charlemagne and Alex Doman, who are the co-founders of AVEC, which is a line of canned cocktail mixers. So, Dee, Alex, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, our pleasure. So, I want to start with uh, with a question of how how the two of you met and, and how AVEC got started, uh, because um you know with all of these brands there's always a, something some some interesting uh you know kind of crossing of paths that 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 uh explains some of how this came to be
1: yeah for sure so ours is actually kind of more crazy than most um in the sense that as you can probably hear from my accent i'm well i'm british but australian canadian and brought up in the uk um and really came to the us with this this idea for evac and 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 the idea struck me um actually whilst I was working for a client of mine, I was a strategy consultant or a management consultant and I had kind of gained a specialty in, in food and beverage and I had worked with a variety of you know large restaurant chains, bars, pubs, etc. And it was witnessing, you know, firsthand sort of at the coalface, face, the dramatic change that was going on in food and beverage, you know, and, and has been going on for a long time. But I guess in sort of two major ways, one in premium and crafts, you know, I, I like to say think, you know, craft beer and, and and then the second in kind of health and wellness, which was about, you know, how do how do we go about doing the things we love to eat and drink but 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 do it with you know fewer calories, you know, and less sugar. And I was sat at the bar one day in, in Manchester in the UK and um cut a long story short, you know, watched one of the, the, the customers who I'd been talking to uh, that day, go, approach the bar and try and order a drink and struggle. And this was a young, a young student, and he'd been telling me that day how he you know, eats the equivalent of sweet green for lunch and, and oat milk in his latte. But yet, when he got to the bar and tried to order a simple spirit mixer, uh, he was being offered the same thing that you know I was offered at when I was at university, a long time prior to that. And it, frankly, you know, bar Red Bull you know, kind of similar to what our parents uh, had been offered um, to mix with their spirits. And so I'm talking about, you know, the classic cranberry juices, tonic waters, ginger beers this world. And I was just struck, you know, it was one of those kind of classic lightning bolt moments. I was like, wow, you know, people are still mixing this way whilst they've, they've changed the rest of the habits. And really they're being forced to compromise when they when they order this drink. So between a you know, relatively healthy or less sugary, uh, you know, vodka soda and something that they actually like you know, a cocktail <laughs> like Margarita, you know, which is you know full of rubbish. You know, often and lots of sugar and and all the rest of it. And kind of figured that we could do a better job. And um, so, from that day on, was kind of trying to work out how to how to go about it. And ended up applying to business school um, at Columbia, uh, Columbia Business School in New York. On ba- based basically on this premise that I wanted to go and be a, an entrepreneur and change, you know, yeah, basically create a better for you mixer company and, and, and kind of, <laughs> uh, which is actually a ridiculous thing. Now, now I say it out loud, it's a ridiculous thing <laughs> to do. Um, normally it sounds so normal, doesn't it, D? but but actually that is a crazy thing to do. I knew I needed someone who, A, knew the US market really well and B, was a superstar Marketer. it wasn't my background I, I, I was a management consultant so you can only imagine my my you know luck uh, and excitement when I when I met D on the first day of business school we were actually in the same cluster which is, is a, a kind of a nonsense term but is is
2: it's business basic... jargon for like a cult class
1: <laughs> gotcha yeah, you, you're, you're sort of broken up in a year into many mini groups and D and, and I were were basically sat next to each other. And um, I, over the course of, you uh, know, three to six months, basically um, created a whole bunch of ways in which I could persuade her, but but also not tell her how I was trying to persuade her to, to come join me. So Fair. created these, um, you know, entrepreneurial pitch groups where I said, you know, anyone who's interested in starting a business and looking for a co-founder and or joining venture capital, uh, come down and we'll pitch ideas at each other and, and uh, you know try and find co-founders and you know chew the fat of effectively. And um, believe it or not, on the first one of these, uh, D, uh, I, I pitched my idea for a fact and D bit. Um, oh, there you go. There we go. And 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 you know there wasn't we didn't hold another event after that. So you you, you, <laughs> can, you, know, you can you can you can see where I was going with it. But that was you know, that's, that's kind of the story and how we met. And, and, it sort of takes it from here
2: yeah yeah I mean like Alex said we met on the first day my background's in more of the branding media communication side so I started my career really working for sort of like big agencies like Ogilvy in New York and big brands you know mm-hmm. Dove etc then went to Hong Kong where I was buying you know Colgate, Palmolive kind of got my CPG understanding there uh, and then moved to Vice which was not the Vice media company that it is today but just as they were launching sort of like Vice News and media was changing. And really, I started getting into advertising and media because I wanted to create, you know, I believe that brands create culture in a lot of ways. They're the ones with mm-hmm. deep hits, they create beauty standards, they create what we drink stand, they just create the standard, whether we like it or not, what we see advertised to us kind of sets the bar. And, you know, I am a New Yorker, grew up in the Bronx, uh, got to go to fancy schools like Harvard, Columbia, Exeter and, like, was always trying to advise brands on, like, how to, you know, make these sort of two worlds combine and think about it. And so when I heard the idea for VEC, you know, I'd gone to business school, basically, because, like I said, I was tired of advising brands. I'd work for Starbucks, which is sort of, like, the most loved drink brand you can think of, uh, and just know the power that they have in creating culture. And so when Alex, you know, pitched this drink idea, I was like, wow, you know, this idea of a better-for-you mixer, like, it is true in New York, right? People are ordering bottles for, like, a thousand dollars for you know a fancy bottle in the club and then pairing that with like orange juice cranberry juice soda red bull for lucky and feeling like we're settling in some ways but mm-hmm. not you know like the vodka soda what i call it like the vodka soda default like okay i guess i'm if i want to be healthy and have a drink i'm just gonna have a vodka soda with a splash of this or of that and so really it was just like they say in advertising it's idea is like stupidly simple it's a great one and like that's how i felt the first time I heard of it, you know, it was a better for you product in a category that's super sleepy. Like, there's not a loved brand like Starbucks or Coke in the mixer category in the sure. U.S. Uh, and in my experience, I worked for Vice in London. You could kind of see like the fever tree of the world the gin and ton, like the tonic boom, people selecting what they mix with their alcohol with their spirit. And in the U.S., it was sort of like you know we were still on the drip coffee version of what a mixer is, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like that espresso edition. Like, hey, you know how the rest of the world is drinking? They're thinking about you know, the
0: other 75% of the drink. Very cool. And I'm curious, too, you know, I want to talk a little bit about some of the the initial forays and, and how you kind of develop some flavors. But, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me here, as you recount this is like, were were you for both of you, maybe for for Alex and for Dee, were you yourselves, like, interested at all in, in cocktails beyond the kind of spirit mixer? Or was it just like, hey, this is what I like to drink, but I would really like to have additional options. And for those who aren't familiar, who haven't looked it up, like, you know, some of the flavors you guys have are, you know, grapefruit and pomelo, jalapeno and blood orange, pomegranate and hibiscus, like, definitely not flavors that you would find in every bar in, I'm assuming, either the UK or the US. So were you kind of, were the were you interested in, in the sort of um, more elaborate cocktail culture? Or was it more like, you know, as you mentioned, Dee, like, sort of clubs and places like that, where really the options are very limited.
1: You know, I think that when we talk to industry people, everyone says, you know, it's interesting that you guys have come up with this idea because you're not industry people, neither Dean nor I are mixologists, right? But, you know, I have a longstanding passion in eating food and drink and creating food and drink. I kind of, to a degree, am a frustrated chef, you know, (laughs) kind of figuring out a beverage um, where I can be a chef and and to that extent actually kind of bring a totally different perspective right we, we we don't have mixology backgrounds but we love food and beverage and we've been lucky enough to travel a bunch um you know Dee mentioned she kind of lived in hong kong and around the world and i've I've always had the travel bargain and have managed to go to some of these places where these ingredients are from so you know i've been to japan and tasted yuzu and was just blown away by the citrus fruit just the citrus fruit in japan you know, it's just when you touch it, it's just like crazy, right? You're like, why have they been hiding all this citrus fruit from, from us? Like, what, why doesn't the rest of the world have access to all these different, you know, fruits? Um, and so when we when we look to make the flavor, when we were thinking about a vet, which we'll, we'll get on to, um, that was the perspective we were bringing was like that of a consumer and, and one that had tasted a bunch of really exciting uh, ingredients and were really excited about flavor rather than being mixologists per se. Gotcha.
2: And I think it was like flavor and health, right? Like, that again, that nasty taste, like vodka, soda sort of situation. It's like, why do I need to compromise? Why do I need to have, like, why can I have a delicious drink with the sort of flavor better for you profile we expect, right? Like, we kind of compare ourselves to brands like Oatly and Sweetgreen and Halo Top, which are delicious but also a better for you, right? So I mm-hmm. think that was sort of the balance. Like when we started thinking about flavors for a Beck, it was sort of in parallel with what we call like White Claw Summer, or the world calls White Claw Summer. And we were yep. talking to these mixologists and they were like, hey, drinking is a vice. Cocktails are cocktails. You know, people don't care how much sugar I put in there because they're already drinking. So who cares about health? And then White Claw sort of took off with this whole, you know, low calorie, better for you message. And we haven't heard that since. And so mm-hmm. I having that perspective, you know, of the consumer really put us ahead of, you know, what people were really thinking was possible in the category. Like there's already premiumization with like better, better tonics and fancier sodas and things like that. But like the the flavor profiles is, you know, we'll talk about how we got into them. Um, Like you say, are totally different, but made to be delicious and made to be interesting. And each of them has like a story behind it with the health profile and the values that we kind of expect, right? Like a brand that's a bit more modern and the question around like, Cocktail culture, again, it's like another place where cultures being formed and made. So how do we get different voices in there that aren't just the bartending community too? Like, we love the bartending community, obviously, but there are lots of different ways to drink. Like my family drinks around a rum punch, right? Like I'm West mm-hmm. Indian. That's how my culture was formed, right? Around a rum punch. Yep. There's K-pop culture. There's, as Alex talked about, the citrus in Japan. There's all kinds of different cocktail culture. And so how do we bring different kind of
0: perspective in? Yeah, and I, that's exactly where I want to go next. So I would love to know how you settled on the, the flavor profiles and the flavor lineup that you have so far, because I think, um, you know, you mentioned neither of you having a, a traditional bartending background and I, and I mean this with uh with all the respect in it, it shows in the flavor profiles you, you guys have, because I think for a lot of people starting out, it would have been very tempting to go with the already existing, you know, flavor sets that people are familiar with, you know, a more traditional margarita mixer or something like that, where people, you know, it's, it's a, it's established and, and here you have some flavors that obviously aren't you know totally unfamiliar to, to drinkers, but are not necessarily you know bar standard items. So so kinda of how did you create these um the existing flavors and, and how do you add to the lineup? So it started with a really
1: simple question, which was let's pretend that everything that has happened, you know, let's suspend you know disbelief for for a minute and, and, and sort of pretend like all of the mixes today are, are, are rubbish um, and need to be totally rethought. So let's start with a blank slate. Um, let's rethink this category from scratch, and let's think let's rethink it with specifically the American consumer in mind, and not um, like a lot of other mixer businesses, really with a European mindset in, in in mind. You know, a lot of European style mixes focus on tonic water. Because guess mm-hmm. what, gin and tonic is the big is the big thing, um, and some of the American mixer brands are focused on ginger beer because that's sort of the biggest mixer in the US. But actually, other than tonic water, none of these major mixers, you know, ginger beer, um, you know, cranberry juice, etc., were really invented to be mixers. Mm. Um, you know, and so we thought, well, hang on, let's go and have a look at America's favorite mixers by flavour. And and have a look at what people are using and work backwards from there. So that's what we did. We went and had a look at the top 10 favorite um, was like flavor profiles and took them one by one. So if you look at our range, you know, the best selling mixer is soda water, you know, soda water and lime. So we yep. said, OK, how do we make a soda and lime that actually tastes good? Right. And it tastes good every time. And that zero sugar, zero calories. So we, we were like, "This is a crazy task, right? This is impossible." We <laughs> could do this, but that was when my travels to Japan came in, and, and because I knew that yuzu was basically like had the, had the nu- nutritional profile of a lemon, um, which is very clean, you know, zero, 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 uh, but that it brought a, a lot more flavour. And um, it, you know, we started experimenting with it and realised quite quickly that this was going to help us. You know, in combination with other things so our user in lime has got also lemongrass because it kind of makes a much more balanced profile if you have if it's fresh user juice fresh lime juice and, and lemongrass um and and and, and, and all together that, that that does do the, the job of a really fantastic soda and lime Thoravalca or tequila um every time and and, and and so that's what we did we did, we honestly did that with every one of our drinks um mm-hmm. you know, we, we took a flavor profile that was a fa- fan favorite for for the US drinker and used our experience and our knowledge and our palates to try and rethink those flavors, make them more interesting, um, make them hopefully tastier than what they were replacing, but also removing all the unnecessary preservatives, uh, artificial sugars, um, and or sugars to, to create profiles which are sort of naturally delicious but low sugar, low calorie. Um, and we can go through all of them, but 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 but, but that's basically was was kind of the premise.
0: I am sure there are really interesting stories behind all of these, and I think the specific um, one that I'm um, th- that I'm particularly interested in. Well, I guess let's say two, because because I think there are two of these uh, flavors that are are interesting to me, and kind of how uh, at least I've seen kind of them. Let's say positioned um, as being, um, you know, what the use case would be for people, and so. I want to talk a little bit about the grapefruit and pomelo because of um, sort of the positioning as a the sort of uh, easy Paloma and then also pomegranate hibiscus because of the sort of cranberry vodka. And, and why, in particular with the second, with the pomegranate hibiscus, you know, what is it that you think is going to appeal or what does in there appeal to someone who might be a cranberry vodka drinker?
1: Sure. So that is one of the ones where it the the link is... you you know more tangential Mm -hmm. but we started off with cranberry and we said okay how are we gonna i mean you know we can kind of workshop it on the podcast you know how do you improve a cranberry juice how do you provide the same thing that cranberry juice provides but do you know make it tastier but make it dramatically healthier right because what people don't get about cranberry juice because often they think that's the healthy option is that a single serve of vodka cranberry has got 22 grams of sugar in it there are four grams of sugar in a teaspoon, so it's over five teaspoons of sugar per serve, which is just an insane amount, right? Yeah. So we're saying, okay, look, we want something which is tart, we want something that is, you know, naturally sweet, and um, and we want to make it slightly more interesting. So, so our, our hibiscus pomegranate, you know, the hibiscus brings the kind of uh, this, this tartness, the pomegranate brings um, a bit of natural sugar, but but depth and kind of unctuous ness to, to the drink. And then we we, we have uh some, some lime juice and some cinnamon extract. And so it on cinnamon. So it, it kind of has this sort of floral tart sweet vibe that a that a cranberry juice could have. Um, or, or you know that we think is like a, a not a bad better cranberry juice is like a bad way of thinking about it, but you know, an interesting and different type of you know uh, cranberry mm-hmm. juice. But 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 is Three grams of sugar, not twenty-two grams. Wow! Um, and you know, our, our view is it's tastier and healthier, and that's that's how we got there. Um, you know, I think I think there's definitely you know you, you might place it somewhere in between the hibiscus aguas and the, and the cranberry juice. Sure. Uh, and then the other one was what was the other one?
0: The yeah, grapefruit and grapefruit. pomelo, and, and and why the? Because I think like the the margarita positioning of of the blood orange and jalapeno makes total sense to me. And the plum is obviously a cocktail that we've seen a lot of increased interest in uh over the last year or two. But it's interesting to position, you know, just uh it's not as well known a cocktail for sure.
2: I think the one thing to just to jump in really quickly is that we also wanted to do an ingredient that people know, an ingredient that mm-hmm. people get in, right? Like part of the brand is exposing people to, like we said, to kind of these global fresh ingredients, right? So mm-hmm. I think pomegranate is kind of more familiar to the American market. Hibiscus, a little less well-known. The the summer, apparently, it's like the ingredient of summer.
0: There you go.
2: Same thing with grapefruit. Uh, And then no one knows what pomelo is and Alex can get into that. But I think there's a bit of a joy of learning about something new that comes with each one of our drinks. So it's not, Mm -hmm. again, a straightforward thing. But each of them is inspired by something new. Um, Gotcha. Yeah, which Alex can get into, like, flavor profiles of grapefruit pomelo and where that comes from because that's uniquely his story
1: too. Yeah totally. I mean we, we that's absolutely he's absolutely right. Um you know we wanted to keep it ingredients focused and simple. You'll notice that there's you know always you know one or two ingredients called out on the front and then on, on the back, you know, you'll you understand all of the ingredients, but there, and there are not many of them but there are more than two. Um and that's to provide interest and balance, you know. Yeah. Um but the grapefruit one was you know genuinely grapefruit was the first name on the team sheet. We we knew that we needed to have a fantastic grapefruit soda equivalent. Um, Dee and I both love palomas, and they're super versatile. Um, and we, you know, we 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 also happen to think grapefruit is fantastic for some Mezcals, which is like this you know this burgeoning category that we're really into. But is looking for a mixer. You know mm-hmm. there, there isn't you know there isn't a like mezcal and Coke. You know rum and Coke has got its Coke, and we can talk about that later too. But um, so, so that was we knew we wanted a grapefruit, but the challenge became like how do you get like all of the grapefruit you know products you see on the market today are super sugary um, because fresh grapefruit juice happens to have lots of sugar in it, and grapefruit sodas are packed with sugar, uh, and so but, and in part because you, you want to kind of balance the, the sharpness of of the citrus with some sugar, and so it, that you know was we knew we wanted to do it, we knew it was going to be difficult. And so the pomelo came, the inspiration for the pomelo came because I, um, I remember as a kid uh, tra- traveling to Thailand and watching these Thai ladies peeling these large pomelos. Uh, and pomelo, for those of you who don't know, and, and certainly it's a very random fruit, so why would you, uh, are basically large grapefruits with an enormous amount of pith, just extraordinary amounts of pith. And I watched these ladies... With, you know, basically with, with their hands or tweezers, to extract this, 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 pith from the pomelo. And I, I remember being like, oh my God, this fruit better be, must be incredible if these people are, <laughs> are, are spending all this time. And so I've always been interested by it and knew that it brought, it's a very, very, it is very pithy in comparison to grapefruit. And it brings a really interesting and different flavor to the, to the grapefruit juice. We have grapefruit juice and we have a pomelo extract. Um and then we add a drop of vanilla and a drop of black pepper and to create this sort of uh you are very it tastes a lot like a great grapefruit soda. Um it is a little bit more interesting because you can taste the peppery vanilla notes and you get the pithiness from the pomelo. Um uh, but it, it again, it's you know, 90 percent less sugar than than a soda or a juice.
0: Gotcha. So let's let's switch gears a little bit away from the specific flavors and, and maybe do you could talk a little bit about kind of where so far you've found traction with the with the products, and and where you kind of envision, um, you know, besides the sort of uh, everywhere, um, what are what are some like uh, you know, use cases or or um, venues, either you know, at home or or in, um, you know, on premise accounts.
2: Every single place. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: um, well, we we know that's the goal, understandably.
2: Uh, so what we didn't say is that we launched in summer of 2020, right? So. Oh yeah in the middle of a pandemic. So we graduated in May. We're in the cannery the next day. We're surrounded by 40,000 cans while our peers were getting fancy business jobs. So we really launched at a time where people were at home. So that was the occasion that we really focused on. We launched as a D2C brand primarily. Um, We started, you know, trying to sell to bars and things. And the original strategy was to be more like Red Bull, where we would sort of be, you know, part of culture in different communities and parties and things like that, but the world had shut down. And so even, you know, you're pitching to bars and people are trying to figure out what's going on. So we really have focused on the at-home occasion to start out with, um, empowering that like consumer that is the at-home mixologist or just wanted something different. You know, they couldn't go to their bar, they couldn't figure it out or wanted something healthy or interested in the flavor, lots of different reasons. Uh, Mm -hmm. So really seeing traction in that way. Um, As you know, we've grown over the last like close to a year, what we've learned is that we basically attract two kinds of core customers. One is this host, right? So if you think about lovers of food and wine, they know what to get when it comes to you know, what they're going to cook for dinner, what's going to be the spread, all that kind of stuff. They know what booze to get that like won't be embarrassing or what wines to get. But when it comes to mixers, that's sort of this awkward moment where it's like, am I buying Coke? Am I buying Sprite? Am I buying ginger ale? Am I buying juice? Am I setting up a whole olive bar? And even for the guests, if you have the fanciest ingredients, no one's going to sit there and, you know, craft themselves a martini at someone's home. And so
0: Probably
2: the- not. <laughs> or like you know, make a margarita or you're the host that's then like, okay, I'm going to do this margarita for everyone. You just spend the whole night like shaking margaritas for people, which is very unfun. Uh, so EVEC really does this. It brings this like elevated cocktail at home, easy to make. You pour, you know, you pour some spirit and you have that. And also, you know, the second consumer we really found was what we're calling more of like Flexi drinker, so someone who may be sober curious, uh more interested in sort of zero proof on occasion, may may have drunk before, may still drink, but are looking for healthier um, alternatives for that like adult drink moment. And mm-hmm. so, and for the host, it's like, okay, you know, I can put out the Vec, and everyone has a choice, and it's not like a choice that's different than ours. It's really a moment where everyone sort of like. Literally, you know, our thing is like drink better together. Like literally, everyone can come together and have a drink. And it's a moment that feels more adult than saying, okay, you know, just have a Coke if you're not drinking tonight. Sure. You're really that host and that conscious drinker. And as we expand, you know, we expect at home will continue to grow. Like we don't think this summer people are going to be, you know, necessarily going to bars in the same way, you know, sitting at the bar. They're really going to be socializing a bit more, hosting a bit more. Um, and then that whole world of no out has totally exploded. And then the world of premium spirits, even in the pandemic, like those were the ones that were being sold. You know, people were splurging a yep. bit more for that, you know, 25 plus bottle and we pay well with that. So I think all of those worlds kind of come together. And then, you know, for restaurants, bars, et cetera, we're really focused on more like specialty grocery stores, you know, where people are doing a bit more discovery, not just going in, grabbing eggs, bread and getting out. Um, hotels, so mini bars have been really good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that sort of like nightclub occasion or that, like, I have a bottle in the middle and I want some sort of discovery. There's a really fun moment when you actually put out a VEC where everyone's like, oh my God, what flavor did you use? What did you mix it with? Like, there's so many combinations that it becomes like a really fun experience for people. Cause like you said, it's not the typical, like, oh, I just put out a margarita mix. No one cares about that. It's a conversation
0: piece in a lot of ways. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. I'm also curious, you know, there, there's a piece of this we've talked to uh, on the uh, in these next rounds, we talked to a number of different people who are working, you know, kind of in this r- more RTD, uh, you know, sort of with alcohol included. But in general, um, that you know, there are challenges or have been challenges with kind of incorporating citrus in a way where they the you know there's really a real shelf life to these. So, how is that something that, that you guys have dealt with?
1: It's a it's a well. So it's a it's, it's thing talked about a lot is is that citrus flavour you know the lighter the citrus, the more difficult it is to use, um, especially from a shelf life perspective because it tends to fade just it because mm-hmm. it's, it's they're thinner. Uh, you know we, for whatever reason we haven't had the same issues and I and, and I think it's largely because we use real juice with a bit more volume to it. I think okay, I think you can get into more. Uh, if you're just using extracts, I think you you have to end up using you know all natural flavour in inverted commas. Um, you know you have to pile a lot of sugar in to kind of help fortify the the product. But I'm not an expert, and it really hasn't been um, really hasn't been too much of an issue for us. The, 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 one of the issues that we do have, but hasn't really been a problem for taste for citrus is. You if you're gonna get any shelf life whatsoever, you need to pasteurize mm-hmm. after you can. Uh and if you're gonna carbonate as well, you you know, it, it makes the whole process somewhat tricky because you're sort of cooking a can full of carbonate carbonated yes. liquid. So, you know, you're gonna get some explosions if you carbonate if you if you cook it too high or have it carbonated too much. Um and the pasteurization can can affect your your product, but but you know, touch wood hasn't been a problem for us.
0: Wonderful. That's good to know. I'm also curious, I have I have one, you know, um do you I think you mentioned uh the one of the other sort of mixer elephants in the room, which is, you know, cola, coke or otherwise. And and so far, you know, from what I've seen, you know, your line is very fruit focused, which um or I suppose also ginger, which is not a fruit, but you know, not necessarily quite in the uh that more sort of earthy savory um you know herbal side is that a, an area that you're interested in exploring or are you kind of content to kind of more be in this in this fruit space?
1: I think we we're in the fruit space because those are the mixes that uh, are people's favorites. Okay. <laughs> um not and, and that that not I mean you're right, Coca-Cola is a huge one. I think we we looked at Coca-Cola for a second and we we're like, we can't do a better job. Um <laughs> uh, it's really tasty and you know many people have tried to do coca-cola black like cola um equivalents and so we, we we're staying away from from that flavor profile but we definitely will be experimenting a lot with vegetables um, okay there's a lot of kind of vegetable based uh products in our in our in our pipeline and the, the reason why we haven't done one today is just because they're, they're just you know at least in our research weren't, um weren't right at the top of the list. But sure. think about, you know, cucumber, elderflower beetroot, um, all of these things and 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 there 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 will be a time, you know, when we're the size of a fever tree or a or a queue drinks where we'll have to approach doing a vex version of a of a of a cola. It, mm-hmm. you know, given what we've done today, it will probably be dramatically different and, and probably won't be called a cola. Um but we'll do something along those lines eventually.
0: Very cool. This has been super interesting. I, uh, I'm going to have to, to, to seek them out now because, uh, you, I, I've gotten pitched. I'll be, I'll just be, uh, transparent A lot of, uh, other things in this space. And this is one of the few, uh, you guys is one of the very few ones that I've actually thought I was interested in tasting, which is a good sign. Um, hopefully a good sign, I guess. I think it's a good sign, uh, for the two of you. I want just one last quick question, um, kind of in this, um, additional realm, which is like with these, with your, with your, uh, various sort of, cans are you know you mentioned that it's it's been a lot of um DTC and and I know that on the site you've got like a sampler and all that but w- which one is the top seller to date
2: I think you know it's really seasonal mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of entry consistently around jalapeno and blood orange just because it has jalapeno I think people like the kind of like spicy factor mm-hmm. um I think in the summer you know grapefruit is very light um I think yuzu amongst a certain crowd especially the health conscious That's a really popular one because it's zero sugar, zero calories. Hibiscus, like you say, it's like sort of a different flavor. It goes really well with mezcal, actually, you see. And then ginger, if you like a dark spirit or a more wintry run, like ginger and hibiscus tend to perform better when it's colder. Okay, Um, So I think it's really seasonal, to be honest. There hasn't been like our most popular thing, honestly, is the sampler. And then people kind of one or two, depending on their favorite spirit or the time of year. Right, If you're a whiskey drinker, you're likely to go for... Ginger, if you're tequila, you go for something else. So I think people just pick their favorites and go from there.
1: Gotcha. Nice try. Nice try getting a, an answer about what the best other is from a marketer. It was, it was a good attempt. Um,
2: I'm curious it turns think out. what other mixers you've been pitched.
0: Have you questioned another better for you mixer? Like I really think we're the only one. I would say actually no. I, I haven't necessarily been pitched. I would say not mixers, but a lot of RTDs that are in that are that are aiming at that you know very low, low cal, low sugar. And and I think some of them doing interesting work as well. I think it's it's always, you know, uh, just my editorializing here for a moment. I think there's a real benefit in what you all are doing in terms of um, really trying to get the mixer part down because when you start incorporating spirit, a you, you remove the that potential audience that you're talking about, which are people who are whether they're you know totally sober, or sober curious, or just want to have something that is flexible in that regard. Um obviously you've kind of cut them off if you are putting alcohol in. And I also think that it's so hard to get that qual- like you're then making a uh, the, the producer is making a a determination for the drinker what exact kind of spirit they want and what frankly quality level and it makes a lot of sense to me to to give your end consumers that choice. Um so yeah, makes sense to me. No, I haven't I haven't seen a, another I uh, think that's an, an exact competitor, but just a lot of RTDs that are in, conscious of the same kinds of things.
2: Yeah. A lot of people are just like, why don't you guys become an RTD? And I think we just have so much love for spirits. Like I would even say like at a college age, like trying, even if I couldn't afford it, trying to understand the filtration process to get to an expensive spirit. Like I used to run things through Brita to be like, will it work? Just <laughs>
0: it. Oh, I think we all, we think we all thought that would work for us with our cheap vodka
2: yeah, just so much respect for the process of making a really good spirit, right? Like making a yeah. really good spirit and making a really good mixer on top of that. Like I think our model would be more like La Colombe and Oatly, right? Where you have like a premium coffee with a premium spirit. Like we would do something yeah. like that.
1: No, no I, think, I think the thing that we haven't touched on as much as we would have done otherwise because the ways that you've asked the questions, you know, which are like, you know, how did a VEX start rather than like what's a VEX? Sort of mission, as it were. We've touched mm. a lot on it, but I think the thing that we've, somewhat by design, somewhat by happenstance, kind of stumbled into is, you know, the the we're we're at, and and please laugh when I say this, but we're at day zero for the rethinking of the, uh, you know, the adult drinking occasion in the U.S. at the moment, right? Mm. And that ranges everywhere from you know THC and can, uh, you know, through to CBD and and and, and recess, through to you know, uh, zero alc liquor brands like Seedlip and Rituals and Myers, through to just the premiumization of of spirits. And so we're we're really happy, you know, being the mix of the new kind of modern mixer brand where you can you know have a, have, have us by us, ourselves, or you know drink it with a zero alc. We do amazing partnerships with Seedlip and Liars and Rituals, you know, doing fantastic like non alc cocktails, you know, or mix it with. You know the latest greatest freedom spirit mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of where we're headed is is you know how do, how does how does kind of VEC help the flexi drinker as d said you know choose you know which alcohol or non-alcohol uh to to go for at any given time
0: very cool well D Alex, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate learning a little more about um, AVEC and hearing the backstory and kind of where you see yourselves going. So again, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be on.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington, by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible, and also to Keith Beavers, Vine Pair Stations Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the Vine Pair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again.